Welcome to the official ABA Law Student Podcast, where we talk about issues that affect law students and recent grads. From finals and graduation to the bar exam and finding a job, this show is your trusted resource for the next big step. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the ABA Law Student Podcast. My name is Ashley Baker. I'm a 3L at Southern University Law Center, where I'm the editor-in-chief of the Public Defender newspaper and a senior editor of the Journal of Race, Gender, and Poverty. I'm also a former delegate of communications for the Law Student Division. I am so excited for today's show. In our last episode, I spoke to Law Student Division Chair Johnny Wynn about the division's mental health initiatives. Today, I've convened a law student roundtable to explore the mental health issues that law students face. First, we have Rachel Gentry, a third-year student at Southern University Law Center. Rachel is from Houston, Texas, and served in the Army National Guard. She has worked in the Louisiana State Capitol in different capacities. She was honored as a competitiveness scholar as a part of the White House Initiative on HBCUs and is currently working for the Louisiana Board of Regents doing policy and legislative affairs research for higher education within the state. We also have with us Kamara Guidry, who is a 3L at the University of Mississippi School of Law. Ms. Guidry, who also goes by KG, is also from Houston, Texas. Throughout law school, she has worked on education rights issues for students with disabilities and students who identify as LGBTQ. After law school, she plans to continue to work on behalf of the most marginalized students within the school system. In the little free time that she does have, she blogs about her experience with mental illness on her YouTube channel named Black Girl Crazed. Lastly, but certainly not least, we have Kennedy Lejeune. Kennedy Lejeune is a 3L at Southern University Law Center, where he is the current ABA representative and head Barbie representative. He is also a member of Moot Court and serves as an editorial board member of the Public Defender newspaper. Kennedy has interned with the East Baton Rouge Public Defender's Office and worked as a committee clerk for the Louisiana House of Representatives. He is married and has a 10-year-old daughter. KG, Kennedy, and Rachel, welcome to the Law Student Podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. Thanks. How's it going? All right, let's jump right into it. Studies show that 96% of law students experience stress compared to 70% of medical students and 43% of graduate students. Law students experience mental health issues at a much higher rate than other graduate students. So let's start with UKG. Why do you think this is? What makes the law student experience so unique? I think A big part of it is the structure in which law school, how the program is structured. A big part of it is at the end of the semester, your grade is determined by one test. And like as a former teacher, I think it's really important for students to get constant feedback. And I think it helps them to know, like, am I on the right path? Am I doing things right? 
But I think in law school, a lot of what you do, you're in the dark and you don't know if you're doing it right. And you don't really get an answer until the end of the semester. And by then it's like, okay, this is my grade. And I think uh, another part of it, it, for me, this was my personal experience. I already came in with mental health issues. I came in with an anxiety disorder, came in with bipolar 2 disorder, and often was triggered by the law school environment. Cold calling, I, I know that that's a part of law school, but at the end of the day, it triggered my anxiety every time because I, I, I didn't know if it was going to be my turn. I didn't know if I was going to say the right thing. So I think a big part of it is just how it's structured and this like inability to imagine law school looking a different way. I think there's just this acceptance that while being in law school, you're going to be stressed. And so there, I haven't been a part of a lot of discussions about how can we make it better, more so how do you cope with the stress. So I, I think it's just this environment that like breeds this competition, perfectionism. I know when I got my first set of grades back, I cried because I'm like, oh my God, I'm a B student. You know, I didn't, I didn't expect to be a B student. I just pushed for being at the top of the class and the reality that everyone cannot be at the top of the class and like just push to uh, get these perfect grades and this idea that if you don't, you won't get a job, which is not true. I, I don't have perfect grades and I've had amazing internships uh, and job opportunities have come to me. So I think just like the the structure, how the classes are structured, as well as just the competition and this this buy-in to perfectionism, for me at least. Rachel, what do you think? What makes the law student experience different from other graduate school experiences? Um, I would have to agree with KG. Um, basically, our first year, we have to typically take uh, contract law, tort law, basic civil procedure, and family law, which all of these classes have nothing to do with the other. So trying to balance four or five classes that, you know, don't tie in with the other, um, knowing how to properly write for these classes, sometimes getting hazed by professors in classes, and making sure that you stand out amongst your peers is very stressful within itself, as well as, you know, for professors who don't provide a midterm to see where you are or don't give certain assignments as you get through each subject or each, you know, subject matter within a course, you're kind of you know, like KG said, you're left in the dark until your final exam grade. And for all you know, you might not be writing properly. Um, you might not be retaining the right nuances when it comes to certain classes. You might not be stating the law correctly. It, it could be a lot of different things that tie into that. But trying to master each course in the respective laws and the respective nuances and, you know, properly writing for these essays is just stressful within itself, along with trying to make sure that once you're done with your first year of law school, you know, you did get that position for the summer with the biggest law firm within, like, the city or the state that you're in. You you really want to make sure that you're doing your best, but at the same time, you don't know where you rank amongst people. As well as your, uh, some of your peers are friendly. Some of your peers may not be friendly. You know, some people I know have had study groups all throughout law school. You have some students who their classmates were so competitive that they didn't even want to study together. You know, so I believe that the competition, the dark tunnel that sometimes students are left in, as well as, you know, dealing with family stress, uh, outside stress of law school. Because if you're in a relationship with, you know, parents, uh, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever you uh, are in, everybody doesn't understand that 
Lost is like a joke mistress, as we've been told a few times. You have to give all your attention and all your, you know, everything that you have has to go into law school. And a lot of people don't understand that. So that stress within itself when your mom is calling you asking, baby, are you okay? I haven't heard from you in a while. And you're like, mom, I'm studying. Or you're sitting there trying to tell your friends from home, I'm literally studying 24-7, 365 to make sure that I make it past the first semester, especially, you know, as a 1L. And a lot of people don't understand that. And I believe dealing with school stress, family stress, and personal life stress is what makes the law school um, experience quite unique. I, I definitely agree with that. Real life does not stop just because you've enrolled into law school. Kennedy, I want to give you a chance to chime in. What what are your thoughts on that? So I definitely agree with both KG and Rachel uh, with what they said. KG, I also came into law school with, you know, some mental health issues of my own that I've been dealing with, you know, high anxiety, uh, the occasional bout of depression. So it was, it was pretty challenging uh, for me. And I had the same experience with, with what Rachel is saying, where just like this dark tunnel where you, you don't know what you're doing until, you know, the last minute and uh, you either passed or you didn't. Um, but I think there are like three main things that set law school apart from other graduate programs and, and medical school. And that the, the first one being that the course content, it's like learning a whole new language. So like, you know, medical school or graduate school, you're kind of encountering concepts that you've heard before. You're familiar with science. You're familiar with English. But law school, it's a totally different language. A, a majority of, of people haven't heard a lot of these terms and you're having to look it up, you know, in Black's Law Dictionary. And so I think that's that's a big thing, not only learning the concepts, but learning how to understand the wording of the cases you're reading and of the content you're learning. The second thing I would have to say that's different is the length of the program. So graduate school is typically two to three years. Medical school is four years. And then you have a couple of years after where you have a residency program. The law school is strictly three years. It is packed. You're, you know, full time and you're having to learn all these concepts. Like Rachel said, your first year, none of them seem to connect until you kind of get into your 2L and 3L year and you're thinking, oh, this is how it relates to basic civil procedure when you're in federal jurisdiction. But you don't know that 1L year and it's completely new and you're competing against your peers. Like KG was saying, you know, you have to accept you're not going to be top of the class most of the time. And then the third thing I would have to say that's different is the uncertainty of job prospects. You know, with medical school, you have a residency at the end of your four-year program you're more than likely to get a job at the hospital you have a residency at. Whereas law school, you know, if you're not top of the class, if you're not top 15%, your job prospects may be a little lower or there may be this illusion that you might not have as many opportunities. But uh, like, you know, KG referred to her internship. She's had an amazing internship and, and so have I, and I'm not in the top five, 15%. So I think there's just a lot of uncertainty and illusions when it comes to the law school experience. Well, let's talk about some of those illusions and presumptions that people have. Many students 
enter law school with a lot of presumptions. They think law school is going to be one thing and it turns out to be another. They may anticipate excessive amounts of reading or cold calling. But one thing that most law students probably don't anticipate is stress or developing depression or dealing with anxiety issues if they didn't enter law school with those issues. So what advice would you give to pre-law students or even the incoming 1L students on dealing with the pressures of law school? And let's start with you, Rachel. My advice to pre-law and pre-law students and uh, 1Ls would be to pretty much perfect your time management skills so that you can um, take a break sometimes and do things that relax you so you won't be as stressed out. It could be something as simple as taking a walk by the lake, going to work out with your friends, going to eat with your friends, or just sitting down and listening to some soothing music. I know for me, when I'm pretty stressed, I like to listen to a certain playlist. And so sometimes I would take a break out of studying for at least 45 minutes to an hour and just relax. Because sometimes if you're sitting there looking at your books all day and studying, or if you're in class all day, or for non-traditional students like myself going to work, studying, and, you know, trying to go to class, I need some type of break so I can have time to myself. And I believe a lot of people stray away from their normal activities when they get into law school. And so they kind of lose themselves. And that's what kind of drives them into, you know, anxiety and depression on a deeper level. Because I know for myself, during the summertime, I like to go swimming or I like to go running and just get outside and get a breath of fresh air. A lot of people don't do that. You know, uh, being in law school, everybody feels like there's not enough time in the day to study do your own personal things, go shopping, or, you know, get food for your house. People forget to do the simple things that make them them. So I believe that time management is really a big thing. So you can have time to do things that keep you being yourself, you know. That that, that would be my best advice. And also talking to uh, upperclassmen. Like, you know, if you're a 1L, talk to the 2Ls and the 3Ls who are in your position and see what did they do dealing with the same professors that you may have and what were their pointers. Because the best advice you can get is from somebody who who was in your shoes the year prior to, you know. And that's all I can think of on that time management. And don't reinvent the wheel. Have somebody who has been in your shoes to try to give you some good pointers. Okay, that's great advice. Uh, KG, what do you think? I have to agree with Rachel with the time management. I feel like I was a non-traditional student as well because I came from teaching into law school. So I definitely treated law school like a job my first year, like seven to five. And then once I went home, I left it at the school. But the things that I guess I would add to that, I mean, I think it's going to sound a little fluffy, but it's made a difference for me. I think understanding that you're in a learning environment (laughs) makes a huge difference. So it is totally fine that you don't know everything. And it's really unfair to have that expectation of yourself. Like, I think that when I I first went in, it was like, I got to know the answer to every cold call and the cold calls that ain't even mine, too, you know, just in case they ask me or just in case they look to me for the answer. And I think that when I had that expectation, 
And I realized that it's impossible for me to know everything about this this language. Like Kennedy said, it's a, it's a totally different language. This, this world that I was just being introduced to, when I learned that, okay, that's impossible, it was devastating. So I think, like, extending grace to yourself from the beginning and, like, really understanding that I, I'm here to learn. I don't have to come in as an expert. And I probably won't even graduate as an expert. You know, I, I've worked with attorneys that are still searching for answers, you know. So leaving that space for yourself to um, grow within the process. And I, I think, like, also, like what Rachel said, like, maintaining a life outside of law school. For me, I kept Sundays or Saturdays. One of them was a day that I didn't do anything related to law school. And I know that some people would say, absolutely not. That's probably why you're not at the top of the class. But it worked for me. It, it kept me sane because if I'm depressed, I cannot go to class. And I've, I've been depressed. I've been in depressive episodes while in school to the point where my professors were like, where is, where is she? You know? So maintaining that that strong sense of self. And I, I think it's so sound a little odd because, like, my law school BFF has been my anchor throughout this whole process. But, like, maintaining friendships outside of law school as well because I think that when we're around each other, we just start talking about law school, you know, and it just becomes this never-ending conversation about how stressed out we are. And it is good to have people that understand this very unique experience with I think it's also good to just get in a space where it's like, okay, girl, what podcast are you listening to? Like, what TV shows are you watching? You know, so I think that my friendships with people that weren't in law school have been some of, like, just the things that kept me going because I don't always want to talk about the law. So that would be my advice. And all that other stuff about mentors and, you know, asking people questions. But, yeah, take care of yourself in the best way. That's also great advice. Um, How about you, Kennedy? What advice would you give to incoming law students about dealing with law school stress? So I think Rachel and KG made some great points. Um, I know personally, I also struggle with depression. I've struggled with depression this semester. You know, I've I've had some some episodes and I, I haven't gone to class a few times, you know. And as a 3L, that's not something I can be doing. But I think what what KG was saying, we're giving yourself, just like let yourself understand that you may not be the top of your class, but you're doing the best you can. And and that's what's most important, I think, to remember. And what Rachel was saying, you know, finding those things to do uh, to help you relax is important. But I think another thing to remember when you're finding things to relax is even if you're like folding the clothes or you download some games on your phone to play for like an hour, you can't be thinking about law school while you're doing those things. <laughs> that was an issue I had one all year. I downloaded games on my phone, but I was stressed out the whole time I was playing the games on my phone because I was thinking about all the other stuff I had to do. You know, so just like letting yourself relax. Some other ways I've coped while in law school have been, I mean, I enjoy talking to other students who are experiencing the same thing. It, it kind of gives me solace to know that other law students feel the, feel the same way that I do. I've talked to a therapist, and in some cases, I've I've been prescribed, you know, anti-anxiety medication that's helped because one of my biggest problems is when I get very stressed out or very anxious or depressed, I, I procrastinate. And being able to talk to somebody else about what I'm going through and, and having medication that helps me de-stress 
really gets me out of those those episodes of procrastination. So that those are the two pieces of advice I would definitely give incoming one else. Okay. Ashley, can I add one more thing, if that's okay? Sure. I know at, at Southern University, Los Angeles, sometimes we have been told, if you are going through a lot of stress, take a mental health day from class. If you can do so, if you do not have too many absences, at least take one mental health day because that might just be your day where you really need to just sit down and have time to yourself. You might get bogged down with, you know, class, studying, work, or whatever you're doing. And class might not be for you for that day because, I, I sadly, I've seen some of my classmates be in class and they're so stressed out that they break down in class. So I would rather somebody not come to class and get time to themselves and just take a mental health day and watch movies all day if they need to. Just like KG said, she takes either a Saturday or a Sunday out of her weekend and just does not look at anything law school related. Sometimes you might have to do that during the week as well when it comes to class, especially if you've been having a not so great day. You might just have to take that that one mental health day for, you know, out of the semester for a certain class or maybe two classes. It just just depends. You know, don't if you already feel that you're stressed out. Don't put any extra stress on yourself for that day. Try to find a classmate who can take some adequate notes for you, and you can bounce back the next day. That would be another good thing that I would advise on pre-law students and what else. Just give give yourself a mental health day. Okay. Thank you for all the great advice. I know that pre-law students and 1Ls will definitely benefit from everything that y'all said. I want to turn the conversation to a bit of a different issue. Statistics show that LGBTQ individuals are more likely to experience mental health conditions such as depression and anxiety than non-LGBTQ individuals. So, Kennedy, how has being a part of this community shaped your law school experience in regard to mental health? So, 1L year was the hardest for me, I think. I was pre-transition and I wasn't out to any of my classmates. I felt, you know, really alone and my stress and anxiety were through the roof because I was going through the, you know, the hardest year of law school on top of everything else. But eventually I realized I had to transition for my mental health if I was going to be able to, you know, dedicate more time into law school. And since beginning my transition in the middle of 2L year, I think my mental health has on average, improved. Of course, you know, like I was saying, I still have days where I I question, you know, what am I doing in law school? But for the most part, I'm able to manage my stress and anxiety and, you know, my depression much better than one L a year. But I think being a part of this community has a unique experience in all, all aspects of life, you know, not just law school. But I think it has helped me honestly, for the better, because I, I was kind of forced to deal with all of my issues one all year. You know, I knew that if I was going to make it through law school, I, I had to break down and say, okay, I have to be authentically me. So I, mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Rachel, how do you feel about this? I would say I, I have to agree with Kennedy. Um, my first year of law school, I started off in the evening program, so not too many people 
within the daytime program saw me. And I've always had to deal with people like, oh, yeah, she's, she's a girl, but, you know, she doesn't really typically dress like a girl. So I, I've always had to deal with, you know, am I dressing professional enough, but am I still being myself with how I like to dress and what I like to wear? And am I going to miss out on this interview or, you know, am I going to miss out on this job opportunity because I don't look how certain people would want me to look in the professional world, I guess, for law firms or at the Capitol or, you know, in different places. But I really just had to sit down and say to myself, you know what, all you can be is the best version of yourself. So I would dress how I want to dress, but very professional-wise. Now, you know, I might have a certain male-looking blazer on with some nice pants and stuff like that, but I wouldn't wear a tie because I just didn't want to wear a tie. I, I didn't go to that extent, but I've actually had people look at me like, hey, you know, uh, since you're going to wear that, you know, you might as well put a tie on or do this, do that. But I, I would tell them, you know, in the most polite way, I wear this because this is what I want to wear. This is how I want to wear it. it. You know, nothing looks wrong about it. You know, and I don't know how you perceive most lesbian women who don't typically dress gender conforming wise, but this is how I dress. This is what I like to wear. And I think I look great. And also, I've always wondered, okay, if I was to obtain a job, will I be possibly, you know, let off if somebody was to really just speak about my sexuality? I mean, I've never been afraid to say, oh, yeah, I'm a woman who loves women. But, you know, there's a Supreme Court case that's I think going to be heard pretty soon about employment discrimination against people who are part of the LGBT community. And the big question is, does the 1964 Civil Rights Act protect people who are part of the LGBT community? Does the the word sex include sexual orientation? Does it, you know, include people who may be transgendered and, 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 you know, the other letters that fall within the LGBTQ umbrella. So it's, Things that are being heard now are what scare me, but I've seen that my work ethic and who I am within myself has changed certain people's mindset of how people should look as they want to say or how people should act. Because, like I said, I can only be the best version of myself, and people enjoy that, and people like it about me. So my originality is what has made people drawn more towards me. So my first year, I used to be scared about certain things about myself because I didn't think other people would see it as professional. But mm-hmm. now people love me. I'm I'm who I am <laughs> in the simplest <laughs> terms. So, yeah. Yeah. KG, as an advocate for students that identify as LGBTQ, what has your experience been as an advocate specifically dealing with mental health issues? So I think, like, first I have to say that I show up as an advocate, but I also identify as a lesbian. I'm a Black queer woman. So the work that I do, whether it is on the internship advocating for LGBTQ students or whether it was when I was a teacher advocating for LGBTQ students, like, it's very personal for me. It's personal. It's political. And so... It has had a tremendous impact on my mental health, especially at our law school. 
So at the University of Mississippi School of Law, it, it tends to be more conservative. I think that the legal field as a whole is conservative, and I, I think that our law school, Ole Miss Law, tends to be even more conservative. And I've served as the vice president and now the president of Outlaw, our LGBTQ organization. And I remember last year, my 12th year being the hardest for me because the more vocal I was about LGBTQ issues and wanting every space to be inclusive and every space to be safe for us, it seemed like the more pushback I got. And that's ultimately, like, currently I'm a visiting student in Atlanta because I I literally could not deal with it. My therapist was like, it's not okay for you to constantly be in this battle that is triggering your anxiety or triggering, you know, your depression. So I had to make the decision that I'm going to have to advocate from afar as well, as far as with Ole Miss Law. And advocating for youth, I think that just comes easy for me. For whatever reason, it's easy for me to stand up for kids. You know, it, it it's a no-brainer. You know, I'm like, this this shouldn't even be a polarizing issue. You know, when, when we start talking about bathroom laws and whether or not kids should be called by the name that they they identify with, like, that is a no-brainer to me. Like, this is these are not polarizing issues. And so it shouldn't be polarizing issues. It is polarizing. We see with the, you know, the oral arguments today for the Title Seven cases. But I think it's easy for me to stand up for kids because I'm just like, okay, we're not going to do kids bad. But when it's something that deals closer to myself, especially at the law school and the law school context, it's been very difficult. It, I, there were days where I would just sit with my therapist and cry because I'm like, I don't understand. I thought I was going to school to be like someone that made a difference and not realizing that other people were coming to law school and they wanted to make a difference too, but they're on the other side of the issue, you know? And so it, there's been times where I've been triggered in class or I've been triggered while trying to push for a certain programming at the law school. It's very difficult. I think the best thing has been like moving and putting myself in a more inclusive environment, taking care of myself, knowing that, you know, we can't change the world overnight, even though I would love to, and really doing those things that pour into my spirit. So taking walks, you know, reading books, that kind of stuff, taking the day to just watch TV shows, that, that's that been a big help for me. But yes, it has had a tremendous impact on my mental health. So what do you think that law schools could do better to change the trend of mental health issues among law students? Uh, As you know, with each incoming class, the rate of developing mental health issues progresses as each class matriculates through school. And once you reach 3L year, it's, it's highly likely that you will have developed some form of psychological dysfunction by the time it's time for you to graduate. So what can law schools do better to change this trend? And KG, let's start off with you. Okay. I think a big part of it, I guess I will go back to what I said initially. There's, it seems to be this acceptance that it is going to be a difficult experience. It's going to be a hellish experience, um, if I can say that. And so I think that a lot of what has what is offered at our law school is more reactive approaches to mental health issues. So we have yoga and stuff like that, whereas 
why can't there be a conversation on what is causing this in the first place? Like, not just offering coping skills, but maybe we need a midterm in every class. I think we had a midterm in our contracts class and that was it. You know, maybe we need more feedback throughout the semester. There, we, we have a counselor in our law school doing a better job of like really normalizing going to see a counselor because it, it makes no sense to have the counselor if few people are, are utilizing their resource. So I, I think like just shifting, and I, I think this is probably a, a, I don't know if this is possible, but just shifting what law school can be, like being a little more imaginative about it. You know, I don't think it has to be this environment in which we are all suffering, you know, and you look around the person next to you breaking down and people are like, oh, when finals come around, people don't have mental breakdowns. And it's just like, why does it have to be that? So if it, if it is, uh, if it's keeping us in the dark, you know, so maybe adding more checkpoints along the way, or maybe I know homework is time to sound awful because now I'm in my 3 L year and I'm like doing classwork and I'm like, this is awful, you know, <laughs> but maybe like normalizing some assignments along the way, you know, so that we're not relying upon this one grade. Um, I think that would possibly make a, make a difference. Kennedy, what do you think? So I have to agree with KG that law school definitely needs to evolve. I've spoken to a few attorneys, you know, before I decided to come to law school, and a majority of them said if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't go to law school. And before law school, I had no idea what they meant. <laughs> now that I'm in law school, I imagine myself doing it over again, and I don't think I can. Knowing what I went through mentally, it was just a lot. I think now in in the present day, law schools are they're getting on the right track when it comes to improving mental health. But I think the biggest hurdle, like what KG kind of referred to, is breaking down the stigma associated with, with mental health. I think it prevents students from seeking help before it's too late. I think one of the ways we can combat this is having an open dialogue about these issues, trying to change students' perceptions about these issues. I also think having professors or staff members who are willing to point students in the right direction is really important because I know personally for me, it's, it's hard for me to reach out for help, but I know if a professor makes it known that they're genuinely interested in how I'm doing mentally, then I'm more inclined to be open about what's going on in my life. And I think what KG referred to for the previous question for LGBTQ students, where sometimes they don't feel safe to, to go to certain people to confide in them, I definitely think it would be in law school's best interest to have, you know, some sort of like training for professors or staff members specifically for dealing with the LGBTQ population, because sometimes, you know, comments are made or or things happen and the LGBTQ population may or may not feel like they can approach a particular person based on things that they've said, you know, so I definitely think that just having professors and staff members that are open and willing to, to point students in the right direction, no matter how they identify, is a good way to go. Okay. Rachel, what do you think? I'd have to agree with both Kennedy and KG. First, law schools should stop. Normalizing and accepting that everybody's going to be stressed out or depression and anxiety is just another common thing that happens in law school. 
Now, if people come to law school with, you know, depression and anxiety, law school should not make it worse than what it already is. You know, they should not add on to it. So doing things like, you know, I know at Southern University Law School, we have JLAP, they come in uh, pretty often to have meditation and doing massages and stuff like that. I think they should do that more often as well as not just from outside people of the law center coming in or any law school coming in, but there should be more open discussions between administrators, faculty, and staff at the law schools and the students. So students can express their grievances and and kind of put faculty, staff, and professors on notice that, hey, certain things that you may or may not do intensifies my depression and anxiety. And how can we work to make sure that this doesn't happen to another student or that you don't continue to do this that makes me feel scared or less comfortable to speak to you? Because students should not feel afraid to to speak to professors. Um, They shouldn't be afraid to ask professors for help with the thought in the back of their mind, like, okay, I might receive backlash or they might treat me a certain way because what I identify as or they might play with my my nervousness of, of approaching them. And I feel that if we put professors and teachers and faculty and staff more on notice that certain things that they've probably done over the past 10, 15 years, depending on their tenure at that particular institution, if we put them on notice about it, it might stop. Because sometimes humans, we are creatures of habit. And if we've been doing things for five years plus, we've been comfortable with doing it, so we keep it up. But unless somebody tells us about it, then we're giving them the opportunity to change their habits. So just making people feel more comfortable, stop normalizing, oh, law school is just stressful, deal with it type of, you know, mentality. How can we make law school a better experience for everybody? So we don't have people like the attorneys that Kennedy has spoken to saying, you know, if I was to go back in time, I wouldn't go through law school again. That should not be the response. You know, we should not try to deter our future lawyer leaders from going to law school. We should encourage them to go to law school. And stress should not, you know, being stressed or depression, anxiety that law school gives us should not be the main reason why, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Can I add something, Ashley? Sure. I really just wanted to say, like, what Kennedy and Rachel said about professors being able to be open with professors. I have to say, like, in my experience, I've been very vocal with my professors about the fact that I have bipolar 2 disorder and I have anxiety disorder. And I've just been lucky to have professors that were really open and willing to offer help in whatever way that they could. So knowing that your professors are a safe space for that, and I do think that that comes from the training that Kennedy mentioned, whether that is training dealing with marginalized identities, but also how can we support students that have disabilities. So like I went to professors and they're like, okay, like I appreciate you being honest with me. What ways can I support you? And I, I remember being called off guard by that question because I didn't expect it. And, you know, I didn't expect them to offer that support, but I do think it makes a difference if the professors are open and willing to be support to students. Um, and they, and like Rachel said, I don't think they always realize that what they're doing, they've been doing it for 10, 15 years, some of them much longer than that. 
I don't, I, I had a professor that we can leave out of his class. And part of my anxiety is triggered by feeling trapped. I don't think he had any idea that he was triggering someone with an anxiety disorder. But just being able to say, like, hey, telling us we can't leave out your class is a trigger, I think that makes a huge difference, you know. So I, I think a lot of times they don't know that, you know, there's other ways that this could be done. So them being open to hearing our feedback and what our experiences are would help. So how can our listeners reach you? KG, let's start with you. I can be reached. Through my email, like I said, I have a um, blog, Black Girl Craze, on YouTube. So I can be reached at Black Girl Craze at Gmail. I know that sounds odd in a law school context, but that's where you can reach me, as well as Instagram, Black Girl Craze. And that is Craze with an E-D at the end. Rachel, how about you? You can either reach me on LinkedIn, uh, Rachel Gentry, R-A-C-H-E-L-G-E-N-T-R-Y. Um, you can also reach me on my email, rachel.a.gentry77 at gmail.com. Kennedy, how about you? You can also find me on LinkedIn or Instagram, Kennedy Lejeune, K-E-N-N-E-D-Y-L-E-J-E-U-N-E. And you can also reach me by email, kennedy.lejeune at gmail.com. All right. Thank you, KG. Kennedy, Rachel, for taking the time to be guests on the Law Student Podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for doing this, Ashley. Thanks for putting this together, Ashley. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Law Student Podcast. I would like to invite you to subscribe to the ABA Law Student Podcast on iTunes. You can reach us on Facebook at ABA for Law Students or at ABA LSD on Twitter. You can also find all of our student leaders at hashtag ABA for Law Students on Facebook and Twitter. Signing off, I'm Ashley Baker. Thank you for listening, and I'll leave you with this quote by Cesar Chavez. You are never strong enough that you don't need help. If you're experiencing symptoms of depression or anxiety or if something that was said today really hit home for you, please consider reaching out to your doctor or a licensed professional counselor for help. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. Remember, U.S. law students at ABA-accredited schools can join the ABA for free. Join now at AmericanBar.org forward slash law student. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs>